Welcome to another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. And I've said it many times, I'll repeat it again. That means he managed people's money. And uh, I'm Gord Whitehead, longtime uh, associate of Ron's. I didn't work in the financial industry. I was a broadcaster, but Ron and I have known each other for decades. We enjoy talking about finance. And this time around, we're going to talk about an area of finance that, uh, well, it's one that it seems that we have to be paying attention to right now, Ron, and that's inflation. And, you know, Gord, the difference about being old, like I am, (laughs) is that you don't have to read about inflation because you went through it. You remember it. You remember how devastating it was. I remember the With, 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know how how tough it was to buy a home, the high interest rates, uh, seeing retired people um, lose 10% or more a year of their buying of power and over a half decade have their money buy less than 50% of what it did five years before. You know, so inflation can be absolutely devastating. And of course, nobody remembers inflation because it hasn't been a big force now for like 40 years. But if inflation is coming back, there's people that have to re-educate themselves on what inflation is, how it destroys uh, you financially, and how you protect yourself against it. And I guess probably the first place to start is just a definition of what inflation is. And inflation is just creating money faster than the economy is growing. So if the economy is growing at 2% a year and you're creasing money at 10% a year, is the economy... Spread can, there. Yeah. yeah, you got an eight-point spread. And that essentially is what inflation is, is when you're growing money faster than you're growing the economy. And this excess money does the following. Number one, it decreases your buying power and erodes the value of your savings. And this is bad for people on fixed incomes who have absolutely no way of increasing their earnings, especially if they're retired. You're 80 years old. It's tough to go back to work. I mean, and especially in the southern states, you're seeing that. You go into a Walmart, and it's, uh, or you go into a McDonald's, and it's not uh It's not young uh, kids working there anymore. Yeah, it's a lot of retirees that have gone back to work, right? Yeah. I mean, the last Walmart I went into in the U.S., the, I asked the lady how old she was. She said she's 79. And I said, how come you're working here? And she said, well, my rent's gone up, my food's gone up, my health care's gone up, and this has gone up, and that's gone up. And I have to add some extra income because the retired income that I had, my pension and all my government uh, uh, social benefits, just aren't keeping up. Boy, that's a sad statement, isn't it? When you think about yeah. it, really. it's. Uh, yeah. But, you know, as I say, we remember the 80s, you know, anecdotally here in Canada, the government put in wage and price controls. You couldn't yeah. get a wage increase. You couldn't get price con- You couldn't get price raises. They finally, that was, I think, the only way that they could stop it, wasn't it? It was very difficult. And, of course, you know, you see on the other side of the equation, it inflates the value of assets like stocks and real estate and collectibles and commodities. And so it just makes things more expensive. When agricultural products go up, when oil and gas goes up, that stuff all filters through the economy. And, of course, real estate, which is known as a hedge against inflation, the values go up and it gets harder and harder for individuals to afford homes. So, We're going to be talking about this a little later on, but these are the kind of assets, stocks, real estate, commodities, that actually do quite well. And we're going to be um, fine-tuning that and picking through some of these to talk about 
the performance of some of the better ones. But, you know, it makes prices go up, and that's just another way it hurts you. Now, it decreases the value of debt. So if you're an investor and you buy a bond, the value of that bond is actually going down by the rate of inflation each year because the bond has a fixed value of maturity, and you're going to get paid out with future dollars which are worth less. So if you're invested in bonds especially and you're getting a 3% return on your bond and inflation is 7 or 8, you're moving back 5% a year. And it is very difficult right now. So it, uh, if you have debt, and most seniors prefer bonds and GICs because of their safety, well, if you have inflation, it just destroys that value. It, it allows governments to inflate their way out of debt by buy, paying for it with currency that is incredibly worth less. So, for example, if inflation is 5% for five years, the value of existing money uh, or existing debt, debt drops by 25%. And that's why so often you see governments wanting to inflate their way out of the debt. They just keep printing more and more money so they have more money to pay for debt that's worth less. And rather than raise taxes or, uh, God forbid, cut expenses, cut spending, yeah. yeah, they inflate their way out. And inflation, whether you understand it or not, is a tax on everyone. Whether you're rich or poor, it robs you of your wealth because it means that your money is worth less. And if you're investing in fixed income, that is worth less all the time. So when governments are faced with a choice of cutting expenditures or inflating their way out of their debt, they'll take inflating their way out because, uh, frankly, if you cut in expenditures or you increase taxation, people don't want to vote for you. So they inflate their way out. And this is the classic thing that has happened over and over again throughout history. So you have to understand, inflation robs everyone, whether you're rich and poor, of their wealth. And you have to find ways to protect yourself. You have to own some assets, increase your weighting, and you have to decrease your weighting in other assets for the simple reason that standing still doesn't work. Because uh, if you're making half a percent on your money and inflation is 7%, you're going back by six and a half. Just that simple. Well, Ron, we've been talking about this. I, I, I've lost track of how long ago it was, but I'm going to say at least a year. When we were in the midst of the, the height of the pandemic and governments were putting, you know, CERB out and printing money at a furious rate, you and I would talk and say, boy, like this is going to come back to haunt us at some point. You can't keep running up this kind of debt without having inflation. It's just, it's, it's impossible. And we're not, both of us, Gord, are not the kind of individuals that are fear mongers. We're always talking about ways to invest. There's lots of positive things that you can do. But when you watch governments that have spending completely out of control and how they can stand in front of a camera and say that the outcome of all this is going to be good, well, either they know that the outcome isn't going to be good or, frankly, if they don't understand what the consequences of all this debt are. They shouldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what the point. They yeah. shouldn't be there. So either way, it disqualifies people, in my opinion, who one side know what the consequences are, but they're going to be long gone out of office before we have to face them. Or number two, 
don't even understand the consequences. In either case, uh, I know with my vote, uh, it's not going to be for for these kind of these kind of individuals because they're stealing from us. It's just that simple. Inflation is not a good thing. Inflation, especially higher levels of inflation, they really, really hurt. Okay, so let's talk about if this this trend seems to continue, and I think it will, and I, I think you share that opinion. What, what do we want to get out of here? We, we don't want to be in any kind of fixed income then, right? We certainly don't want to be a fixed income, especially longer-term bonds. When rates go up, if you're locked into a rate and rates go a lot higher, it means that nobody wants to buy your bonds. And so if you own a bond fund, especially where they're trading bonds all the time, the value of that bond goes down. And if you buy a bond and hold it to maturity, if you buy a bond that matures in five years at 3%, rates go to six, well, you're going to miss some opportunity costs. But if you hold it to maturity, you're going to get 100 cents on the dollar. But especially funds that are into bonds and they, to get higher yields, they're attracted to the longer-term bonds with longer-term mat- to maturity. Those are the funds that can really get killed. They can go down 20 and 30 or more percent. So you start seeing inflation and interest rates hitting really hard. That is the time to look at your portfolio, especially your fixed income funds. And if you have long bonds in there, it's probably time to trim back some of these um, positions. What about things like mortgages and, and companies that hold mortgages, if you will? I, mean, I guess you think about banks then, right? Yeah. Now, the problem here, Gord, is that how they finance. And typically, a mortgage company will uh, borrow in the short-term market and then invest in mortgages for five years or three years or whatever. And so if they can borrow at half a percent and they can lend at two, well, they keep the spread of one and a half, and that's how they make their money. But what happens when short-term rates go up, so we talked last week about yield curve inverting, and that's when short-term rates go higher than long-term. If you're borrowing in the short-term market and you're lending in the long-term market, you're going to go bankrupt. There's no spread for you. In fact, there's a negative spread. So each dollar you lend costs you more in interest costs to borrow. So you want to be very, very careful about uh, owning financial assets like mortgages or companies that, that hold financial assets because low inflation is one thing. If interest rates go up a bit, it'll actually help the banks. But if we start seeing negative yield curves, that is very, very tough for financial institutions, including banks. And finally, money market funds. Well, they pay virtually nothing. And right now, you're getting negative rates of return after inflation. Inflation in the U.S. right now is running about 7%, running over 5 in Canada. If you're getting a half a percent return and, and inflation is running at 10 times higher than the money you're making, it doesn't take a lot of higher level math to figure out that you're losing ground. Okay, so let's look at the opposite side then. What, what do you want to hold on to during these times? You want to hold on to hard assets, things like metals, timber, oil and gas, agricultural commodities, land, real estate, rental properties, and precious metals. These are the things that typically do well during higher levels of inflation. You want to own bonds that are indexed to inflation. They're called real return bonds. You get a rate of return... Plus, you get the rate of inflation on top of that. Those so are those are goodies. Up, Aren't they expensive right now, though, Ron? They, wouldn't they be pretty pricey to get into one of those? 
oh, they're they're expensive right now, and hopefully we'll get a chance to see them a little a little cheaper. So, it, you know, I know you and I have owned real return bonds for over thirty years. Yeah, they, and and they've been just honeys of uh, an investment for both of us. But right now they're a little expensive, but they're something that an investor should be aware of because they're not talked about very much, and so you have to realize they're there, and usually. In a, an investment cycle, sooner or later, you're going to get a chance to buy these things when they pull back in price. And anytime I get a deal on real return bonds where I get a positive rate of return on these things, I add them to my portfolio, especially my retirement accounts, because they do give you protection. Okay. Also, also I guess companies that can pass along price increases that you know don't drive everybody out of their minds. Like they're subtle. Yeah. If I mean, if if, uh, if you have inflation that that's running at 7%, let's say. Well, Coca-Cola, if it gets affected in its processing so that, that its costs rise by 7%, raising a can of pop from $1.50 to $1.65 uh, or $1.70 isn't going to, the average person's not going to blink. You know, when you're out buying a car that the cost of manufacture has gone up from 30000 to a thirty-five thousand, well, you're going to recoil from that. So companies that sell products that are cheap enough that the company can pass on price increases to the consumer without them noticing it, uh, they're the ones to to uh, to look at certainly. And also companies that provide cheap goods because if we go into a recession, like we talked about last week, if the yield curves invert, people need to find places where. Uh, they can spend their money and their dollars go first further. Uh, dollar stores are a good example. Pawn shops are a good example. And uh, these bulk stores are a great example where your dollar goes further. And so they're the kind of places that in markets where you have rising inflation, rising interest rates, and the possibility of recession, these are the kind of companies that tend to outperform. What about borrowed money? If you're borrowing money, like if you're buying bonds, you're the lender. You're lending the government money or corporation money or whoever money. Uh, the value of that over time shrinks. Now, the best time, uh, and this is counterintuitive, to buy a home is during periods of higher inflation. If you can borrow money at reasonable rates, because with inflation, the future value of that money, more and more money gets printed, which means, and your wages keep going up, and the debt stays the same. So if you get a 4% increase in wages every year for the next five years, but your debt stays the same, you have more money to pay back that loan, and that loan gets less expensive for you as time goes along. So if rates don't go too high, and if you're seeing higher inflation, you think inflation's going to stay around uh, higher, longer, and that's sort of my opinion on what's going to happen. Borrowing money right now is not a bad idea because you're paying it back in future dollars that are going to be worth, and that debt's going to be worth less. Okay, well, as you said last week, we are living in interesting times, and you have to be paying attention right now. Uh, as you say, timing is everything, right? Yeah, and uh, the, the last point I want to make is, of course, gold is looked at as the classic way to protect yourself against inflation. But there's other commodities and other inflation hedges that have done better. For example, agriculture has done 50% better in, than gold 
when inflation has risen its ugly head. Copper uh, tends to rise three times more than gold when you have a bout of inflation. And energy tends to rise five times faster than gold when you have higher levels of inflation. So if you're looking for ways to protect yourself, gold's good, but agriculture, copper, energy, even broad commodities um, have had superior traits that give you higher levels of protection than gold does. So, yeah, it's, it, it, it's kind of been punished of late, hasn't it? It really hasn't set the world on fire. No, but you look at prices for copper and prices for energy, they've certainly, if you've been looking for an inflation protection, um, base metals, copper, energy have dramatically outperformed gold. Okay, there you go. Inflation. Uh, unfortunately, it's upon us, and uh, we've got to do our best to navigate through it. So some tips there for you from the financial coach, Ron Hebert. Back again next week to look at something a little different to kind of change the tone. If you're a parent and you have youngsters, and it comes time to think about giving them an allowance, that seems like kind of a simple pre- procedure, but there are some, some guidelines there, right, Ron? Your allowance can either be a tool where you're teaching them something, or it can be a tool where you're spoiling them rotten. <laughs> and so the question is, what do you want that end result to be? Try to find that middle ground. Back next week with another edition of Making Money. On behalf of Ron Hebert, the financial coach, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.